What's up, my brothers and sisters, and welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast. First of all, I want to say Happy New Year. As we bring in the year 2022, I'm so excited for what we got going on this year on the Fireground Fitness Podcast. As always, we want to talk about making ourselves better on and off the fire ground. And that is the overarching mission of what we are doing here. And today, the first episode of 2022 is no exception. Uh, today, we're talking to Olivia Mead and Eric Brenneman, uh, the two principal players at Yoga for First Responders. Uh, we have a, a great conversation about wellness and yoga and, and being a first responder and how our ability to move, how it affects our spirituality, how it affects our physicality, all of those things. It's fantastic conversation. Enjoy. Olivia, Eric, thank you so much for sitting down. Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast. Um, I want to talk about uh, yoga for first responders and, and this huge project that you guys are doing and uh, talk about how it's influencing first responders, how it's um, health helping and providing health for first responders. Uh, but before we do that, I want to dive into a little bit about uh, a little bit about who you guys are and the, the the journey that you guys have taken that landed you in this place. Um, so yeah. I'll let I'll let you guys Rochambeau for it. Whoever wants to go first, <laughs> I can I can start. Yeah. So um, my background and how I got here with you today is I've been a yoga instructor for 18 years now. Um, training and, and practicing yoga almost my entire life in, in different ways, one way or another. I actually grew up as a dancer. I was a professional dancer. And so I used yoga for the kind of the physical aspect for that in that way. But my dad was a professional golfer. And if anyone golfs, they know that golf is quite a bit of a mental game. And so he was actually using yoga for the mental side of it. So I grew up knowing that yoga was way more than just the physical. And a lot of people only associate it with the physical. How old are you when you started doing yoga? I think my first class, I was six years old. Oh my goodness. So you're saying your dad was already doing yoga at that point? Yeah. So he, I remember I would go to like what I called old lady yoga. I'd go to yoga with my grandmother, you know, and we do these stretches, but I remember my dad being in the living room and doing some like breath work techniques, things that we don't really associate with yoga in our Western culture. And I would kind of make fun of him about it. Cause it looked silly. Right. And I was like six years old and then fast forward 20 years later, And I'm in a yoga class doing the exact same weird ass breath work that he was doing before. And I was like, oh, this is funny. This is funny. So yeah, that's how I was introduced to yoga. Um, Really dove into it uh, when I lived in New York City around 18 years old and then uh, became trained in yoga when I was 20 and 21. Um, You know, I was trained in a very traditional disciplined way. method of yoga, which is actually traditional yoga and how it's trained in the Eastern culture. The Eastern culture is where yoga originated and it was to train warriors and the warrior, uh, you know, class to have that elite edge over their opponents. It was to get a neurological and mental um, level of eliteness that they knew their opponents wouldn't have. And to get there, you use the closest tool we have, which is the physical body, right? If you want to get inside, you got to use this thing, your body to do it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's how I was trained in yoga, you know, very traditional discipline training practice. And in our Western culture, yoga is a billion dollar business. It's trendy. There's cute yoga pants and studios and it's taken on this whole new world that is not the original intention of it. And I was teaching in these yoga studios. I was living in Beverly Hills. I was teaching in that kind of environment. And I didn't like it, man, because it wasn't getting to the real mean potatoes and true benefits that yoga can offer. Yoga is meant to be a little bit more militant in its training approach. And so I thought to myself, gosh, where could I go that who, what population would really appreciate this approach, the traditional approach to yoga, who would want that elite 
warrior mindset and who desperately needs a tool for longevity and resilience. The first thing I thought of was military. So I got trained specifically to teach yoga to active military, but especially veterans who struggle with post-traumatic stress. So I was teaching yoga in the VA for people with diagnosed post-traumatic stress and um, addiction and who were living at the VA going through programs. And I was teaching for them. And then after that, it came to me, and I'll tell you, this is a fault that I see sort of everywhere, and I was definitely part of it. My mom said to me, you know, you're teaching military. What about first responders? Don't they have these same issues? And like most people, I forgot about first responders because we expect them to be there and they will be there. You shit on them, they'll still show up <laughs> when you call 911, right? And so I was also a victim of that mentality. And I was like, oh, oh my God, of course, right? And so I looked up, all right, let me get trained in how to speak and how to be culturally competent to delivering yoga to this population. Well, guess what? I Googled yoga for first responders. There was nothing. If you Google yoga for veterans, yoga for military, there are tons of programs, nothing for first responders. So I knew that I had to create it myself. And that's kind of where this was born. Okay. And I, and I, I want to dig into some of those points that you brought up. So we'll circle back on those for a second. Um, Eric, how did you find yourself here? Yeah. So I was a, uh, firefighter in the Midwest. Uh, I was a firefighter in Iowa for 13 years. Uh, I'll be honest. I had never touched a, a yoga mat, uh, for the vast majority of my, of my career as a firefighter. I did not believe that uh, yoga was for me. It wasn't for my guys. Uh, I had the same misconceptions, quite frankly, as most of the people that I work with now on a daily basis. Uh, I was a volunteer firefighter start for a couple of years. I made it to the career side, worked my way up through the Iowa professional firefighters. So uh, was heavy into serving my guys, quite frankly. My, my department was all men at the time. And I was part of our peer support team. And so uh Peer support's a fantastic program, but what I was learning in my peer support training was uh, a lot of tools to help um, our brothers and sisters once they got jammed up, once they were already in trouble for drinking, once they're already in trouble with their marriage, once they're already in trouble with gambling, whatever it may be, we find the resources to help them, but we were helping them after they were jammed up for the most part. And so our training chief actually brought in yoga for first responders on a mandated basis for about six months. He pulled, uh, we ran uh, the California swing schedule. Uh, and so he pulled training off of one of our uh, tour days every day or every tour and plugged yoga in a, as a mandated basis. Cause we were starting to see some sprains some strains, uh, some mental health issues start to pop up. Uh, and so he brought in this program and that was my first exposure ever to doing yoga. And, as folks that know, or know about this organization, we always start with why we do what we do, uh, because people are, do have the misconceptions out there. And that first class where we learned, I learned why Yoga for First Responders does what it does, uh, it was like, holy cow, there's actually a proactive training tool that can help us be better firefighters to process our incoming stress before it actually happens so that we're more resilient when the stress is inbound because like we can't stop that so we better be ready for it because it's going to happen and so rather than waiting to get jammed up and dealing with it we can actually train ourselves to deal with it in a proactive manner and the light bulb went off like okay i have to share this with the world if there's a tool that we can use proactively rather than just reactively to take care of ourselves uh, in the fire service um Fast forward uh, a couple of years, and I am now traveling the country teaching yoga for first responders to firefighters, law enforcement personnel, active duty military. Uh, instead of riding the truck, this is how I'm now serving my community, is making sure that we've got the best firefighters, the best law enforcement officers, the best military that we can from a proactive standpoint. Um, don't get me wrong. I miss riding the truck every day, but knowing that I can help firefighters train in this capacity uh, helps fill that void drastically. Oh, I like that. The, um, so let's go back for a second. Um, Olivia, you talked about, um, learning to speak the language, become culturally relevant in the language. And I think that's a, a really interesting thing. Cause so I will say I, in, in the interest of full transparency, I am a, uh, a hack when it comes to yoga, I dabble with a little bit of yoga and it, 
largely is a, an adjunct to the all other fun things that I want to do, like train jujitsu or lift weights or go ride my mountain bike or whatever. Um, and so when I think of yoga, <clears throat> excuse me, I largely think of it as a, as a, as an adjunct, as a stretch, as a, as a tool that I use kind of supplementary, but I, but I feel like there's a lot, you guys are talking about a lot of, of, much more significant impact that it can have. And I want to hear you guys kind of unpack that a little bit. So clearly you guys, you mentioned the culture and, and, um, you know, having a, you know, Eric on the team as somebody who is part of that dynamic has history in that dynamic, you know, what, what type of resistance are you seeing from folks and how do you overcome that by, you know, you talk about being culturally relevant. How do you make that connection? Well, first I'll tell you that um, if you are a ground fighter or you're doing jujitsu, you are probably already understanding a lot of the yoga concepts. Um, a lot of the movement concepts and the mental side of it is, you know, a lot very similar to different martial arts. And so you probably have a better understanding than you even realize. Um, we tend to connect very much with people who um, train jujitsu. So there's, there's that as well. Yeah. So how, uh, how we connect those dots, you also mentioned resist the resistance to it. The resistance we see are from folks who have the misunderstanding of what yoga is for, because I think it's a waste of time. So you mentioned, okay, it's a stretch because of all this other stuff that really matters, right. In people's minds, I'm going to lift heavy things and put them down. I'm going to do this badass stuff. And yoga is presented in the West as a very feminine um, sort of practice for stretching, as you mentioned. In India, yoga was only allowed to be practiced by men because only men were warriors. And even now, because I, I studied in India, even now it's predominantly still practiced only by men. Um, so the, the branding of yoga in the West, making it more female-centric is definitely something that's coming from our Western culture. But unfortunately, <clears throat> that female-centric, sort of soft, trendy, um, you know, a branding of it is in dissonance to an alpha male population. And so there is this misunderstanding of why, I, you know, I have limited, especially now, right, all around the country, resources are very strapped. There are not a lot of people going on the job and applying to, you know, go into the academy. This is what I'm hearing in all of our programs, right? So you have very little time for training. Why am I going to waste it on trying to touch my toes? I'm going to go to do CrossFit. I'm going to do something instead. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Because there's not an education out there, which is what we're providing, on the neurological, the physical as well as well as the neurological and mental benefits of yoga, which is the original intent. The original intent reign of yoga is a training system to master your mind and optimize functioning of your nervous system and your physical body. So is the physical body part of it? Yes. But the physical body is one aspect of tons of different aspects we have in our, in our working system. Let's say you're physically up to par, but you've got a problem neurologically or mentally, you're not on the truck. So it doesn't matter how physically fit you are, right? And you can say that about anything. All of them need to be top notch. Okay. So my goal was to take that knowledge, to, to dispel the misconceptions, which is what I do. No one goes on the yoga mat before we have a talk together, before we have a lecture discussion. And I don't point fingers or blame anyone for having these misconceptions of yoga. If you Google the word yoga right now, you'll see a bunch of skinny white chicks on the beach. Okay. So that's what's being put down everyone's throats. No wonder they think that. So I say, this is why you think that this is the branding because that's where the billion dollars come from or those, that population. Now here's what yoga is really about. And that's what we're training you for. Now, here's the interesting part. The more I learned about the culture of first responders, firefighters, law enforcement, and I'll tell you how I got more and more of that knowledge and education, the more I realized that yoga isn't just good for first responders or an adjunct training, it is meant for first responders. It is meant, it is an elite training system meant for people who are doing work that most people won't. It is, it's, 
it's great for everyone, but it is intended for the those who are going above and beyond to keep you mentally resilient, physically resilient, neurologically resilient. Now, I could go on and on with examples, but let me tell you one specifically for firefighters. <clears throat> the crux of yoga, the, the foundation of it is breath work, is training the neurological system. You know, when you see these advanced yogis on their head with their, you know, doing crazy stuff. They're not doing that for gymnastics, for a trick. While they're there, they're in total mindfulness. Their breath, their nervous system, their coherence is totally in control while uncomfortable. Now you're wearing full bunker gear. You're in a confined space. Your vibe alert goes off. What are you going to do? Most people freak out. Yoga is teaching you how to manage your breath and extend your airtime. And we have seen this. We have seen this happen. I teach, I was teaching twice a week in an academy that I actually went through myself. That's how I learned most of my education about fire service. I got all of my students to be able to extend their air bottle for at least 75 minutes with air to spare in a gritty yoga class. I don't teach, you know, sitting around touching your toes. We are moving. And they're in full bunker gear on air and they're making that bottle last. And I just got a message just the other day from one of my first recruits who told me that he still uses that breath work today and all the time. So this is a clear example of why the benefits of yoga that are evidence-based all support the skills needed by firefighters. So there is no reason to not make it a normal part of training, just like, you know, throwing ladders. So I'm glad you brought up evidence-based because I wanted to, one of the questions I had actually wrote down, I wanted to touch base with you on is, has there been any research done or data collection done that supports it? Because I think anecdotally, from my own experience as well, anecdotally, I, I have evidence that yeah, it is very helpful. And the folks that I know that have a consistent practice, unlike myself, who have a consistent practice actually demonstrate real benefits from it. So- has there been research done that supports that? I'm so glad you asked because <laughs> two things is right now we're using other people's research and piecing it together to show that the yoga protocol works. For example, um, a research <clears throat> a research company we're working with in Australia did a research study with New South Wales Fire and Rescue, and it showed that a four-hour proactive mental resilience training similar to ours, but not exactly showed that for every dollar spent on training, $13 was saved or turned on investment in sick leave and disability time. So it shows a direct, you know, benefit that way. Then um, there was study, a lot of studies actually in law enforcement on breath work and heart rate variability and how their performance was enhanced by the heart rate variability our program in yoga has been shown to increase heart rate variability. So you see, we're kind of doing these, like trying to piece it together because there hasn't been, and there's other studies on yoga for injury prevention with college athletes, right? But nothing about traditional yoga and first responders. But we just got approved yesterday by the ethics board for University of New South Wales that we'll be starting our own research study in January to take all of this anecdotal evidence and put it into real data. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and in addition to that, too, this, we did a pilot study during COVID with a six-week online training where they would students, participants would take a 10 minute lecture class on a Monday and then three yoga classes throughout the week that ranged in for about eight to 15 to 20 minutes for yoga uh, to do that three times a week. And we had about 15 participants actually go finish the, the whole study. We brought 50 on board to start with, but with, as you know, rain with online training and firefighters and cops, unless somebody's sitting there holding their hand through it, they don't, <laughs> they, it, it's, a, it's a joke. It's a joke, right? Uh, I mean, I, I had target solutions playing on the background plenty of days on my computer at work and walked away. Uh, but the participants that actually finished it and actually did the work and did the surveys um, out of the participants that finished 100% of them had a statistically significant reduction in post-traumatic stress symptomology, 100%. 
showing that even online training of yoga and breath work has an effectiveness for this population that was first responders across the country. Um, and that's actually what then led to the full uh, financing of the full-blown in-person study. So the pilot study came back so good that they're like, okay, we need to research this more because there's clearly something there. Um, and then when it comes to uh, the other research studies around this, I tell people this all the time, coming from the fire service, uh, and I was a company officer when I left, anytime we had to roll out a new program, we had to tell, uh, tell the firefighters why, because that's always a question. Well, why are we doing this? You know, you hear that all the time. Unless you have a, a, a real solid why, uh, quite frankly, it's bullshit. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to grumble all, all the way all the way to the training grounds until, until you can tell me why. Uh, and so it's my job as a firefighter, as a first responder to gather all of the research, all of the data, all of the textbooks. And so I can now walk into any police chief's office, any fire chief's office across the country with a stack of textbooks higher than their, they can sit above their desk and set it down and say, hey, this is all the evidence as to why this protocol is important for your men and women and how it's gonna make them better firefighters, how it's gonna make them better on the fire ground, how it's gonna make them better husbands, wives, uh, leaders in your community. And then we can still say, hear from the fire chief, nah, not for me, not for my, my, my firefighters don't want it. That's fine chief, that's on you though at this point. I've done my job in gathering all of the evidence that I can and there are literally textbooks that prove uh, what we do works from the breath work, the breath techniques, to the physical side of things, to how we're actually training the mind and the body to process the incoming stress. And so I want to dive into that a little bit with a, a concept called autonomic fitness, uh, which is kind of that cutting edge of science, actually, from uh, a group called the Flow Research Collective uh, out of Nevada, a uh, powerful group out over there. And so what they have found out is, is that we can actually train our nervous system to respond how we want it to rather than to go out of control. And so what that means for firefighters specifically is, is we see bad stuff on a daily basis. That's our job. We get paid to see bad stuff that other people aren't going to see. And our nervous system is the exact same as everybody else's in the world. We're not different. We're built and hardwired the exact same. So we have got to train our nervous system to respond the way we want it to under stress, under pressure, rather than uh, letting it go out of control. And so what this research group has found is that by changing the breath work and changing the mindset, you can actually drive your nervous system into a challenge response versus a threat response. So what that ha how that happens is is literally by using using words like this is a challenge 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 instead of uh, being seeing something and thinking that you're under a fight or flight stress response it moves to the challenge response and so what the chemical markers they have figured out to start studying uh, are cortisol and DHEA we've all heard of cortisol before we know firefighters know that we've heard many many times cortisol bad well Cortisol in itself is not inherently bad. Too much cortisol is bad. Uh, but the key part of it is actually DHEA. So if your body is in a threat response, you have a higher level of cortisol in your system and a lower level of DHEA. If you're in a challenge response, uh, if for the same incident, you have a lower level of cortisol and a higher level of DHEA. And what's fascinating about this, what's really, really critical for uh, first responders is, is that what goes along with this is that the challenge response has a higher incidence of post-traumatic growth. The threat response has a higher incidence of post-traumatic stress. And so, and the key to helping a nervous system flip into the challenge response is mindset and breath, because that's what's controlling how the brain and the nervous system reacts to the incident. Eric, let me ask you a quick question. Help me understand post-traumatic yeah. growth. I have never heard that expression before. Yeah. So, uh, and, th and that's actually the, the heart of resilience. Uh, we've heard the term resilience all the time is what makes you resi really resilient person. You hear a lot of people say, oh, well, I'm still here. <laughs> you know, I've, I've survived the career to this point. Right. Um, but what true resilience is, is actually becoming a better, stronger individual because of the stress and the things that you go through in life. And so that's what post-traumatic growth is. Um, a great way to think about this is actually, uh, athlete, a uh, football player being chased down the football field, running their butts off. They're being chased by 15 people, 11 other guys chasing them, ready to tackle them and scores a touchdown, stands up and they get stronger and better from it. Uh, take a guy running down an alley being chased by 11 people who's in the fear of being beat up. 
Well, that's challenge versus threat. And so the football player goes into post-traumatic growth. It saved the bodies under the same stress response, but sees it as a challenge. And so they become better from it. They're going to score and run faster next time. The guy running down the alley, not trying to get beat up by 11 guys instead is in the threat response. And so it can have post-traumatic stress, even though they're essentially the same situation. One guy running away from 11 is, is, the, is the heart of the matter. It's the mindset. Physically, it's the same. You know, if you're just watching it physically, the same actions happening. And even though it's, I don't want to say just football, people might get mad at me, but like, <laughs> it's, you know, okay, it's, it's just football. You, you know, my life's not in danger or whatever, but the football player is still under stress, the stress of needing to make the touchdown, the stress of the career, if he does or he doesn't, right? There's still stress there. But as Eric was saying, when the mindset is, goal. I have a goal to achieve. The DHEA neurosteroid is going to be higher than cortisol and they come out better and stronger. Um, when the, the cortisol is higher than DHEA, because, you know, I don't have, I, I'm, I feel like my life's under threat. That's the post-traumatic stress. Now, what's interesting is sort of our default goes into the threat response. And so I'll give you an example when I went through Academy, I didn't, I wasn't going to be a firefighter. So I'm going through all this shit and I'm like, why am I even doing this? I'm not even getting paid <laughs> to do this. And I'm, and I'm saying that as I'm in like a confined space and like, you know, a smoke trailer, I'm like, what the heck's going on? You know, I really wanted to wave the white flag and be like, you know, I'm not, I'm not up for this, but I couldn't because I'm teaching resilience training. I couldn't, you know, <laughs> you know get out of it. I wouldn't lose all credibility. So what was happening to me was, yeah, I, my body started to go into, into that scared panic threat, you know, and I switched and I said to myself, yeah, I'm a bat, like I'm, I, I can swear, right. Cause I've just been swearing. So oh, I yeah, can yeah. let it out. Okay. So, so as I'm like going through, I'm saying to myself, I'm a fucking badass. I'm a fucking badass. Now, listen, did I actually feel that way in the moment? No, I felt like kind of a loser that I wasn't like, that I was reacting this way. But when I switched my mindset, controlled my breathing, I made it to the end because it turned my nervous system into a challenge response. Whereas before when I was stuck and scared, I was in a threat response. Is that making sense? No, hundred percent. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's, there's been plenty of times when um, back in the day I was an endurance athlete and in those preparatory to those events, I did a lot of uh, mental exercises, visualization exercises, visualizing mm -hmm. myself being in the worst possible condition and and moving through it and being successful and what that felt like and, and imagining it so that when I got in that moment, I was prepared for it emotionally and mentally and then could move through it, right? Exactly. And I, if exactly. I see a lot of similarities in, in what we're talking about here and, and I think that um, here's a question though. When we have these events that are out of our control, right? Um, traumatic calls that we run on that we see things that are just incredibly uh, uh, poignant to our personal lives. They connect deeply in our hearts and minds. And we walk out of there and we're like, how do we connect this back to that growth response from those horrible mm -hmm. events? Yeah. So first of all, it's important to know that um, stress and experiences and events are not just kept in your brain memory. It's actually ingrained in your physical tissues um, and in other different parts of the brain that you don't realize, um, including a part of the brain that's directly connected to the nose and breathing. For example, you walk by someone, you smell perfume of your second grade teacher that you haven't thought about in 30 years and you immediately get that memory time and place. All the bad memories come back. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So that's so the nose and what's going through the nose is directly connected to the brain. And another example is we were teaching at a 24-hour training for firefighters. And especially when you get into the hip area, we're opening someone's hip and all of a sudden some flooding comes up of negativity and memories experiences and stress are kept and stored in the physical tissues and the fascia. So in order to move from taking this experience and it being, you know, copied on your system forever, and then 
chipping away at your ability to respond from then on because you're we're working through that lens of past experience you literally have to process it and wring it out of your physical tissues your nervous system and your brain so what my suggestion is you come back um to you know to to quarters after you you see this call that was you know whatever's going on even if it's not something that they would send you to debrief about or whatever. Let's just say it would personally hurt you. It was someone that resembled your sister, whatever the case may be. I would recommend that there's a 15 minute practice where you are literally breathing it out of your nervous system and moving it out of your body. As soon as you sit back down, whether it's at the kitchen table or in a chair, whatever, all those stress hormones that came up from that call sit and live in your system, neurologically, mentally, and physically. And then what happens is those stress hormones live in the fascia and the fascia, which is almost like a bodysuit in and around muscles and bones, <clears throat> um, and connective tissue includes tendons and, and ligaments. It's supposed to move like this. It's supposed to be a nice, strong structure that's able to move like honey. But when stress hormones live in the fascia, it starts to harden up. And the reason it hardens up is it's trying to create a body armor to protect you from future stress. It's a totally wrong way to do it, but the body only knows this. I'm going to tighten up. You're not going to hurt me again, right? So we get up from the seat, from the couch, and all of a sudden our back is hurting. We're having low back pain. We're having hip pain. Oh, I'm getting older. No, that's the story of your life showing itself to you that you've never processed out of your body or your nervous system. And then let's say you drive by that street of the incident that bothered you. Your nervous system hasn't processed it yet, so it immediately goes back to that situation. Post-traumatic growth means that you could see that corner of the street that it happened, knowing that happened six months ago. That's not today. And I'm able to live and work around this area without having my nervous system go straight back to that event. and there was something else I was going to say um, about that too that I'm that I just lost. <laughs> but the point is, is oh yes, I know what I was going to say. Mammals. Um, there's a great article and video about this, but I think we can all see this, especially if you have a dog. When um, a stressful event happens to a mammal, and then the stress is gone. So a great way to think about this is a lion chasing an antelope, and then say the lion's gone and the antelope is okay. It'll start to tremor and do big yawns and yawns and tremoring. And you might've seen your dog tremor a little bit, right? That's our natural way. The mammal's natural way of processing stress hormones and completing the stress response. I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but not really. You don't see antelopes with post-traumatic stress. You don't see them drinking too much or not getting enough sleep. They can't sleep at night. And I say that jokingly, but it's actually true that the symptoms of post-traumatic stress are not being able to sleep. uh, Digestion is affected. Reproduction is affected, right? So antelopes, for example, that literally have their life in danger daily are sleeping soundly, are pooping fine, are reproducing fine. They are not having any markers of post-traumatic stress. And that's because they process the stress hormones. Us humans, instead, we say to ourselves, man up, don't cry. This is the job. We sit, we turn to the TV on and say, I'm going to do this and turn TV on and drink rather than hitting a yoga mat for 15 minutes with proven techniques to process stress out of your system. Mm. Clearly, I'm fired up yeah. about this. I have a feeling. Yes, <laughs> it's 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 it is deep stuff. And again, if, if if you don't take our word for it, take there's a doctor of psychiatry out uh, named uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kock, who wrote a book called "The Body Keeps the Score." Uh, the body keeps the score. It's a book all about how our body stores trauma in the body uh, and how uh, things such as he actually recommends a couple of different procedures to help. Uh, alleviate the trauma from the body. Um, 
including uh, EMDR, which a lot of our folks have heard of, uh, but also yoga and limbic therapy. So those are the three methodologies that he talks directly to is how they can affect trauma in the body and how, why they're critical for what they do. Um, and it does, it comes back to heating up the body. So we've talked a lot about the numbing agents that we use uh, in the fire service. I mean, I've been to health and wellness conferences that were sponsored by the evening's bar crawl. Let's be honest. I've been to one of those. <laughs> uh, it, right. We turn, we turn everything we do into a, a drinking event and it's not by accident. It really is not. It's because alcohol works folks. I mean, alcohol works. It's a numbing agent. It takes that hurt away. It takes that pain away. It's why most uh, of us have at some point had a few too many to drink, but we can't, well, we're not supposed to drink on the job. Uh, I'll put that caveat, put that caveat on there. Cause we've all heard stories about that. Uh, but so the coping mechanisms that we used, uh, the turning things off, the shutting our life out, turning our emotions down, uh, drinking, to doing risky behavior, gambling, sex, drugs, whatever it may be, they're the coping mechanisms are sweeping the stress and the trauma of what we've dealt with under the rug, quite frankly, until the effects wear off. And then we hit it again, because that's what happens when you're dealing with cope, a coping mechanism. And so we relate this back to uh, our mouths. We, we beat the shit out of our mouths every day between coffee, some of us smoke, eating, drinking, what, you know, whatever we do, we beat the shit out of our mouths. Uh, just like we beat the shit out of our nervous systems, but we were trained from a young age to properly take care of our mouths. We brought, brush our teeth and floss daily. So nobody thinks that's weird. Nobody thinks it's weird to, to brush your teeth and floss daily, but everybody thinks it's weird when somebody sits down and does five minutes of breath work and mindfulness exercise, even if they're not doing uh, a true, uh, a, a quote of what people think of as a yoga practice with all the goofy moves. You just sat and did your breath work and mindset training that is a yoga practice um the physical benefits are there for a lot of other reasons but they think we're weird what why is eric over in the corner doing his breath work what that what's that fucking weirdo doing over there you know what's that up to but then we'll we'll go back into the bathroom and brush our teeth before we go to bed and nobody thinks twice about that and so if we were actually raised from young kids to take care of our, our, our nervous system and our minds, uh, the same way we take care of our oral hygiene, if we had like mental hygiene, uh, nobody would think it was weird. Uh, now, if, as full grown adults, if we just took three minutes to twice a day to take care of our mind and our breath work. Uh, but we have, weren't taught that as a little kid. So now it's weird and it's for girls. Hmm. So uh, I, everything you guys are saying is resonating so deeply with me. I'm thinking about my own my own experience and the, and he talked about not being able to sleep and, you know, low back pain and, and feeling old suddenly during, <laughs> as a, as a wave of stress comes into my life or whatever. And then I have a, a month of not being able to, or not being, you know, as engaged uh, in breath work or in, in my own yoga practice as I want to be, um, or making the decision to not do that in lieu of sitting up and reading emails at night before I go to bed, that kind of stuff, like these bad behaviors, if you will. And, um, so that's resonating really deeply with me. And I, and I'm thinking about, you know, the, um, and, and I, you'll consider myself somebody who is always trying to tinker and an experiment of one trying to find the best way to move through this world physically and emotionally and mentally. Okay. So, I have that mindfulness, uh, that that desire to do that, and mm -hmm. um, and yet I still struggle with it. My question mm -hmm. is, how do we encourage all of our folks, police, you know, Leos, fire, you know, military, to take this more seriously and mm -hmm. to imbue it into their lives? Like, how do we get this to become a you know a brushing of our teeth? You know, we're flossing our brains and bodies and minds as well as our teeth. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually think it starts with doing things like this, addressing the misconceptions. So it stops being weird. First of all, uh, I really, really do because we're this culture, uh, the culture that we're part of is like, it's like turning an aircraft carrier. It's turning a long, slow radius and we're some hard, hard people to, to try to turn around. We've been set in our ways and I do it this way. And, and so it starts with conversations like these, but what we find is, is that once we, people are looking for tools, because they know that they know the impacts that this job is having on their lives. And so they're looking for tools. There's lots of people having conversations on how we should take care of ourselves and be better, but very few people are actually, uh, 
they're looking for a tangible tool. And so when you can tell somebody, listen, it's not, I don't, you don't have to go to do a, a yoga practice for an hour every day. I said in my, in my little soapbox, three minutes, twice a day. That's what you need to do three minutes, twice a day. And so if we really want to change the culture, uh, I, as a company officer had the opportunity to say, Hey, before we sit down for our morning meeting this morning, let's do three minutes of breath work. I mean, we all go to the gym together, hopefully, or work out on duty if we are allowed that or whatever it is. Uh, but I can, I, as a leader can say, Hey, we're going to take three minutes uh, before we start our shift together to do three minutes of breath work. So I know, know that I'm at least working with you on duty to hopefully see the benefits. Oh, and by the way, uh, over the kitchen table tonight, we're going to sit here and do it for three more minutes before we break uh, for downtime. And, and it starts with strong leaders and it can be the informal per leadership too. Uh, the, the senior guy, the senior firefighter uh, can say, let's do this. Uh, but it's the consistent daily practice. And so uh, we offer a lot of free tools to help with that daily consistent practice. And listen, I'm just as at fault as you are. I'm supposed to do yoga in this area behind me every day. And I struggle to get eight minutes of it, in, uh, quite, quite honestly. I mean, on a daily basis, I really, really do. Because uh, it's just, it, it's life happens, right? Life happens. But what I have noticed is, is just like any of our training, the more often you come back to it, the more easily your body responds, falls back into it as well. So if I can really focus on my breath work for every day for a week, uh, then the next week I might not get every day, but my body will naturally fall back into the rhythm that I've trained because it's the way it wants to work. Uh, and that's why people actually, once they do it just a little bit, see the benefit and then start to stick with it a little bit more often is because the body wants to be in that state of homeostasis. It wants to be there but we've pushed it out, out into that other direction. And so, uh, I, I honestly believe it starts with leadership and it's hard rain. Uh, this gets into a huge, big cultural conversation. We are in the mental health wellness world. We hear a lot of lip service from leadership that, Oh, we love what you guys are doing and that kind of stuff. Great chief. How, what's the budget for it? Oh, we don't have, we don't really, we don't really have, have it. well, yeah, you know, Gotta that go. sound. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That sound that starts coming out of the chief out of the chief's mouth instead. It's a, instead, and so that's why uh, why I love this work though is because it doesn't cost anything. Technically, you can do three minutes of breath work on your own in the bunk room with firefighters around you. They will never know you're doing it uh, while you're by yourself, and so you don't have to look goofy or weird. And that's the as people do yoga, they realize that's actually the golden thread is that breath work. And so it starts with that. And then maybe we can start to add a little bit of movement in. But uh, I just implore people to do three minutes of breath work a day. So, uh, and maybe it's why you're, maybe it's why you're brushing your teeth. Because, uh, listen, you're brushing your teeth. You can't breathe through your mouth while you're brushing your teeth. Breathe through your nose. No, I'm serious. Do breath work through your nose. In for three, out for five as you're brushing your teeth. So let me let me, let me me pluck, pluck that thread for you. So we, when I think of breath work, I think of like Wim Hof or I think of box breathing. Mm -hmm. I think of these kind of robust structured programs. And I hear what I'm hearing you saying is yep. it seems a lot simpler than that. So I want you to tell me a little bit more about that. Unpack a little bit. Give me a, what does that look like? Yeah. I'm just going to say yeah. this. Everybody listening to this right now is, is fully engaged. They want to do this. So what do they got to do? Yeah. If they've been with us this long, they're in. <laughs> uh, Wim, <laughs> Wim Hof, uh, Wim Hof fantastic breath work for firefighters. It's actually helping you increase your CO2 tolerance and making you uncomfortable uh, having more CO2 in your system, which actually makes you better on uh, while you're on air. Um, box breathing. We actually teach box breathing protocol in our in several of our yoga classes because it works. It's endorsed by the Navy SEALs to reduce stress and burnout because it works, because it's hitting uh, the nervous system. Uh, what, uh, from some of the research that we've done, uh, from one of the mentors, distant mentors that I have, his name is Patrick McCowan. He's written two fantastic books. Uh, one is called the oxygen advantage. The other one is, uh, the breathing cure. Uh, both are fantastic books. It's, uh, what the science shows is we need to be working on, uh, light, slow, deep breathing. And so that's what we work on in our yoga classes. Think it's super simple. Think of it as inhaling for three and exhaling for five out your nose using your belly. It's as simple as that. In for three, out for five using the belly, not the chest uh, to, to, to do the breathing because that changes it to a diaphragmatic breath rather than a stress response breath. Mm -hmm. So if you can 
push your belly out as you breathe in. And as you exhale, the belly pulls back in. So, and it feels weird because most of us have forgotten how to breathe that way, quite frankly. But we're all firefighters and medics. When there's babies in the world, we're taught that if they're breathing in their chest, there's something wrong. Babies are belly breathers. We were born belly breathers, right? And so that's how we came into this world. So it's probably by design that we're supposed to be belly breathers. Uh, but at some point over our lives, because of stress and trauma and everything else, we have forgotten to breathe with our belly because we want to have sexy six-pack abs and everything else. We hold our belly in while we breathe and then breathe up on, into our chest. Uh, and that's actually putting us into a stress response. So uh, inhaling for three, exhaling for five, using the diaphragm. It's as simple as that. And Don't overthink and, it. And our, through the nose is optimal. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, you know, he mentioned looking at babies. Also, so take it all back to nature. Look at animals. So if an animal, like look at your dog, if your dog is breathing through its mouth, it's exhausted or sick or hot, something is not in homeostasis, right? When the dog is okay in any animal, they're breathing through their nose. So nose is nose breathing and Eric can expand on nose breathing, but that is, yes, that is what's, what's optimal. The other thing is look at animals that have very slow breathing. They're the animals that live the longest. The animals that have very quick, uh, fast breathing have the smallest lifespan. So if you just look at nature and what's going on, that's what we're replicating. And by intentionally breathing, so this is another thing that's happening in the brain. Not only are you affecting your nervous system by doing the simplest thing, right? As Eric said, breathe into the belly, through the nose, count in for three, pause, exhale, have the belly deflate for five. It's so simple that it seems that can't be effective. I'm going to go do emails. It's what's a priority in your life, right? And you have to think, I could do emails for someone else, you know, for this job, it's someone else. And I know things in life, you, you know, we got to get done, but what is a priority in my life? Can I take three minutes and discipline, you know, myself to do this? Um, so it's so, so simple and takes such a short amount of time that often it gets dismissed. And that's why, as Eric mentioned, it's really important to have informal or formal leadership. And I'm going to say it, I'm still of camp mandate. This people don't know what they don't know. It has to be in the academies and in service and in service training as important as all the other training. Because if you are at home on disability, you're not out in the field to do the tactical fire skills anyway. So you, you need the longevity training, just like the short term survival training. So again, it's so simple, but that's also why it gets so easily dismissed. I love that, and I'm uh, and I'm and I'm nerding out here. I pulled out a book for a podcast. I don't know how many of your guests have literally pulled out a book with their highlights while they're on your show? Uh, but I, I love to I love to reference this stuff because it's just every time I read and highlight things, it just blows my mind as to how we don't know this. Uh, but you, the question came back, so it has to be nose or it should be nose breathing, and the answer is yes. Even if you have severe congestion, breathe through your nose. Breathing through your nose will help actually alleviate the congestion over time, uh, but uh, so uh, in 19, I'm reading directly from this book. Uh, so nitric oxide is the key chemical breathing through the nose. So uh, nitric oxide actually helps the oxygen exchange uh, at the cellular level. And when you breathe through your nose, the con concentration of nitric oxide originating from the nose is 100 times higher than in the lower airways. So if you're breathing through your nose, you put 100 times more nitric oxide into, your, into that chemical exchange than breathing through your mouth. So let's start with that first. And then we can go into how nose breathing actually increases diaphragmatic breath because it's a slower inhale. So you have to use the muscles to push, use that diaphragm to push down. Uh, and so when the diaphragm then pushes down in that cavity, uh, it's actually massaging the vagus nerve. Well, the vagus nerve, if it's actually toned correctly from being uh, massaged by the diaphragm, has a whole host of health benefits uh, for people slash firefighters, first responders. Let's go into low back pain. By breathing through your nose and actually using proper diaphragmatic breath, it's creating extra intra-abdominal pressure uh, in your lower abdomen. 
And so that is actually strengthening the small stabilizing muscles that are supporting your low back, your spine of your low back that's not supported by the rib cage. Because when you breathe in, it's creating that pressure into your lower abdomen, strengthening those muscles to support and protect that low back, which we're all prone to injury for. And in fact, they've done studies that uh, for people with chronic low back, doing breath retraining has given better relief from low back pain than chiropractic and physical therapy care by changing how you breathe because you're using your own body to strengthen itself to be in the proper alignment and the proper position for doing the job of living. I mean, it's just fascinating when you dive into the, the science behind all this stuff. And so that's why uh, yoga, I believe, and Olivia said too, is meant for first responders yeah. uh, because we're using that we're using, we're making you uncomfortable by putting you into quote unquote goofy positions so that I can then make sure that you know how to breathe and train your nervous system back when you're uncomfortable. But and that's where it ties into your jujitsu training. Uh, a fantastic jujitsu coach said, if you can't breathe in a position, you don't own that position. So you have to be able to breathe in every single position you're in. And that's very critical for firefighters in all kinds of strange spots you find yourself in. If you can't breathe properly in that spot, you don't own it. The environment is beating you at that point. And so you had better learn to train, to breathe in these spots. And that's why, why yoga is critical from a physical standpoint, let alone all the physical and mental stuff uh, we've been talking about for the last hour at this point. Well, and then simultaneously, those goofy positions he's talking about is also strengthening small stabilizing muscles that you don't get in normal workouts and creating functional mobility for you to do any position you need like for example these positions that often people train in which are very square and you know i know that there's a lot of um there's a camp totally on no twisting and everything well if you don't train your body how to twist and then you're trying to get a body out that's wrapped around a toilet your body's gonna freak out on you so we have to train the body in all those awkward positions right the the, the fire ground is the most unstable, unpredictable, unknowable environment you could possibly work in. And it, right, right. every event is different. And so being able to move uh, in an unstable environment is absolutely critical. Um, so, so let's talk about that a little bit. I know we've been going for just under an hour. So I want to I talk about application a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that everyone who's listening to this is, you know, at this point has kind of got the hook set and recognizes how important this is. Um, and my question is, is how do we incorporate this into the work that we're already doing? Um, does it supplant the weight training or is it, a, is it something that we add, add into our work? You know, clearly doing a few minutes of breath work every day is, is simple, but there's the yoga component of that, that the movement component that we want to incorporate as well. And how do you see that kind of being incorporated into a whole fitness regime? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think that we have to take yoga and replace anything else. I'm, I don't want to speak poorly about any other, anyone else's physical uh, fitness routine, because that's not what yoga is doing. It's not replacing, it's only enhancing. So what I would recommend and kind of what I do is I'll do a quote unquote workout, typical workout every other day, and then my yoga practice every other day. You could also, if you're going to work out for an hour, make it 45 minutes and the last 15 minutes is your yoga practice. Um, or you can separate it out completely from your workout. So like I said, in India, they'll work out, they'll go to the gym. Yoga is not associated with working out. They're two different things for two different reasons. Now you're using the body, but you're using the body for a different purpose. So perhaps you wake up 20 minutes earlier and you, I have my own yoga space and I go there to set up my day, not physically, but mentally, but part of setting up my day mentally is by using my, my body. So let's say I go in, do 15 to 20 minutes of yoga. Then my day begins and my day may still include going to work out, going to the gym. So you know, whether it's at the beginning of the day or I was training someone, they wanted a series for um, calls in the middle of the night and having to get process that stress so they can even have a chance of going back to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, so there's different ways you can plug that in. As Eric said, I think consistency, uh, consistency is key, however you want to put it in. But I think that I love the idea of 
before breakfast, everyone is there at 7 a.m. Let's do 20 minutes of yoga and breathe as a team because it also gets us into a group flow as well um, and have that be our morning routine. And then, yeah, at noon, go go work out, go do your gym thing too. Um, but I think you can plug it in however you see fit as long as it's consistent. Great. Yeah. And I mean, my training chief was the abnormality, right? Uh, the outlier at this point. The Most training chiefs are not going to take mandate yoga training for six months. That's a, that's an outlier. Uh, would I love that? Sure, absolutely, right. But that's not that that's an outlier case. Uh, thanks to my training chief for being proactive with that mentality. Um, what how we have seen other agencies plug it in in short order. Um, a law enforcement agency in Kansas. Every before they do like defensive tactics, they know what they're going to be working on during defensive tactics class, and so they add breath work and similar movements to warm up the body before before they go and do the DT class. Uh, if we're doing throwing ladders uh, drills, we know what movements we're going to be doing as we're doing training. It would be nothing to do five minutes of breath work with some body movement before you go throw ladders. I know we don't get to warm up before we go on a call, but training is a little bit different as well. And so we know what's forthcoming or after we're done throwing ladders, we can then coordinate breath with movement after training grounds. I mean, uh, there, there, it's not, it's, uh, yeah, it is not taking anything away. You can find pockets of five and 10 minutes to actually like weave this in throughout your shift. Uh, should you want to, uh, right before bed is actually a fantastic stop point to do that on your own uh, because you have to downregulate your nervous system before you go to bed. Uh, otherwise, it's not going to go to sleep. It's, that, that, that's a fact. And so uh, there's a neuroscientist out of Stanford, Dr. Andrew Huberman, who recommends uh, different mindfulness practices to help you fall asleep. Uh, and we incorporate some of those into our protocol as well. And so again, before you go to bed, your body has to do it anyway. So you might as well incorporate it in that five minutes or that 10 minutes as you're, as you're winding down and going to sleep. You know, it was a cool thing I saw when I was going through the academy with the recruits I was teaching. We were doing roof ops in groups and crews. And I was up on the roof and I looked down and I saw the crew before me in a half downward facing dog doing breath work together. And, you know, in, normally rehab. in, in, in rehab, right? They're, they're yeah. in rehab. And so we have to get our heart rate and blood pressure down before you can go back to cycle back in. Whoa, holy cow. There's a tool to help your body do that. Believe it or not, there's a tool right. we can do it instead of just sitting there. Uh, uh, when can I go I, back in? I also did police academy. And another thing I'd always get them on is when we did our PT and they were resting, they'd walk around or that's not recovery, you know, at all. And so you're not setting yourself up to do the next thing. Um, so those are pockets of time that, that it could be easily plugged in. So, so let's talk about what that might look like. Um, if I'm wanting to put together, you know, a five minute, a 10 minute, a 15 minute movement practice, what, mm -hmm. where would I find some of those resources and, and what would that look like? Yeah. So that's exactly why we created our app and our on-demand platform, because we wanted folks to have access like that. Yes, I want to do it. I don't know where to start. I need something, you know, easily accessible. So we created the app from Yoga for First Responders. It's the on-demand platform. Classes anywhere from two minutes, literally two minutes of quick movement to 90-minute class and everything in between, breath work, meditation, mindfulness, all of that stuff. So you can filter on there. I have 10 minutes and I want to do this or that. So it's improving every day, but that's the intention of the app and why we created that. I will tell you this on my personal Instagram right now. So speaking of challenges and getting this consistent and you were asking and um, you know, what do we do to make this kind of happen? Well, my answer besides mandating it, which again, I'm camp mandating it is also, we got to make it cool. Okay. We have to make it cool and not weird. So we, we worked with some NYPD folks and on Instagram, they challenged us to run a mile every day in the month of December. Right. And everyone's like, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. Everyone's up for that. And then I chime in. I'm like, how about five minutes of yoga after your mile? <laughs> Just like, and okay. What was the you response? Know? So, <laughs> right. Well, well, no, they were into it, but they weren't into it as the one mile run. So we, ha why, 
Why? Right. It's, it's super, super effective. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just making it as cool as, and the guy who initially did the challenge is a really cool dude. Like you want to be him, right? Like he's so cool. We need cool people to be doing this yoga because everyone's telling us, like Eric said, everyone's saying, this is great. I really support it. I'm like, then come to the yoga mat. And then they don't do it. Right. And I think it, they also are being stopped because they're afraid, you know, first responders are supposed to know what to do. And so if they look foolish in a situation, they're especially leaders. I've also found people in leadership positions are afraid of not being able to do it and maybe losing credibility. There is a lot of psychological layering here that we don't have to, you know, we don't need to get into. But the point I'm trying to make is I did a video. It's eight minutes long that I posted on my Instagram to challenge all these people doing the one mile a day to add this eight minute practice at the end of their one mile. So my Instagram, my personal Instagram is uh, lady boss, Olivia. So if anyone wants to, to see that, but we have challenges like this all the time on our YouTube, we have a, a 14 day challenge on our Instagram. We're always doing challenges. We have our app, which is if you go to yoga for first responders.org, it's on demand. Uh, it's called Cyber Academy. You can also find it on your app store. But we're trying to do all these things so it has that same coolness as all the other challenges that everyone seems to find time for, <laughs> you know. So anyway, that's that's what we're offering up. And if you have an idea or there's something you're like, it would be cool if we could do this, but we're not seeing it send us an email info at yoga for first responders.org because everything we've made is because someone said I could use this. And so we made it. That's awesome. I, I think it's so, it's so interesting to me how, what you hit on the idea that these challenges are out there and people are like, Oh yeah, I just saw one. It's a hundred burpees a day every day for the month yeah, of December. We've seen that one. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and it's always something. And I'm like, okay, hey, this is great. It's inspiring people to move and to do something they may not yeah. normally do and to be consistent in a practice uh, of a movement practice of some sort every day. So I think that's fantastic. And I, I love the idea of putting together or to adding, you know, the eight minutes after the one mile run um, because it's, it's about the consistency and it's about applying it in our lives. And mm-hmm. we, we have to stop what we're doing get curious about what we can do to be healthier emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. um, and spiritually. And it's all of these elements, right. That we have to apply in our lives. So I really, really appreciate, uh, what you guys are, are doing in the, the audience that you're targeting. Uh, clearly it's, you know, as a, as a former Marine, as a firefighter, it's, uh, it's a very important part of my family, uh, and, and personally. So I think it's really, really valuable what you guys are putting out there. And, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to answer some of my questions and to share, uh, with, with our, our audience and, and with the world, what you guys are working on. I think it's fantastic. So well, we really appreciate being here and having a, a platform to, again, like we've been talking about, the biggest thing is to, you know, dispel these misconceptions. And so being able to talk to you and your audience is really important for that. And I will say, speaking of challenges, Rain, I'm going to challenge you to do yoga every day for the rest of December. What do you say? I'm in. I'm in. Okay. I need some, <laughs> I need some proof. <laughs> All right. I'll take some video footage and send it to you. <laughs> all right i'm gonna go to your app so okay yes. so give me give me all the particulars so you, you you mentioned your instagram uh where can they find yoga for first responders yoga for first responders.org it's all spelled out um that's our website and then all social media platforms are at yoga for first responders so very very simple um if you want the online you know our app i would suggest signing up on our uh, website first. And the reason for that is we do want to give a discount code to your audience. Now, let me explain this. We have free content on there. There's lots of free content, but we have a library of over a hundred videos. And I want to give your audience a discount for $4 a month for that. And we're a nonprofit organization. I don't think we'd mention that. 
So those $4 less than a cup of coffee nowadays goes right back into programming for first responders. So it's almost like a $4 donation, but you get this huge (laughs) training app for it, right? Um, So if you sign up on our website, you could put that discount code in. If you sign up through the app store, you can't. I don't know. Talk to Apple about it, but... (laughs) That's a little thing they do. So anyway, um, we're going to create that discount code. Eric might be doing it in the background right now so we can give you what that discount code is. Um, but that's how you can get to training right away. If you want to try it out before you you know, commit the $4, again, there you go to start here and it has all the videos you need, including a 20-minute daily practice for the exact thing that we've been talking about. <laughs> Wonderful. That's awesome. Well, as for the uh, as for the discount code, uh, what would you like it to be? Um, why don't we just put? Uh, why don't we make it FGF twenty twenty two? Okay. Find Boom! Out, there it is. Uh, discount. Fi- the Cyber Academy discount code is FGF twenty twenty two. You heard it from Rain first. Booyah! Well, that's wonderful. Thank you guys for doing that. I appreciate that, and um, and uh, we'll definitely send some folks your way. I'm sure. And the most important thing is we get people moving. So that's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, just to touch on what you just said, if you are riding a bike, if you are doing something else and you are doing it with mindfulness and breath, you are doing yoga. So I'm not selling yoga on the yoga mat. I'm selling a proactive mindfulness tool. So like you said, we're just getting people moving, move and breathe. That's all I care about. Right on. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Special thanks to Olivia and Eric for sharing your wisdom and your thoughts. I also want to say thank you for expressing the challenge. Now, this was recorded in early, early December. And as you know, it is coming to you now in the first week of January. I took on Olivia's challenge and I did yoga every single day for the month, uh, even while I was traveling and even while I was at work and home. And it, uh, even if it meant getting in five minutes of breath work, I was consistent and it was fantastic. So just want to say shout out to Olivia. Thank you so much for expressing that challenge to me and, uh, and uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that. It was great. Now, if you uh, are enjoying the Firegrove Fitness Podcast, grateful for your patronage. Thanks for listening. If you have thoughts, ideas that you would like for us to entertain, feel free to reach out. I can be reached at Fireground Fitness, uh, Rain Gray at firegroundfitness.com. Or you can see the link in the show notes. You can hit me up on Instagram. You can hit me up on Facebook, etc. Now, take the lessons learned in this episode. Apply them in your life. Find ways to make yourselves better, stronger, more capable, more stable, more dynamic, more rich in your life. 2022 is going to be a fantastic year for us all. Let's get after it.